got about 30 minutes on this. I want to just continue the thought of encounter and mission. And uh, I want you to read with me just next chapter 10, verse 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Absolutely wonderful. Jesus anointed with the Holy Ghost, anointed with tremendous supernatural power. And I want you to see the next statement. Say he had a, Jesus had an encounter with the Holy Ghost. Not only a one-off encounter, but ongoing. Day by day, he would wake up and meet in prayer. He would encounter the heart of the Father. He would draw near to the Father and receive instructions for that. I want you to see this simple statement. With all that anointing, it says this statement, he went about doing good. He went about doing good. You know, one of the things we need to understand about coming into experiences and into encounters with God, that the outcome, the overflow is you and I need to go about doing good. We're called to do something. Following Jesus Christ means doing something. Jesus said, if you love me, oh, I love you, Lord, then do the things I tell you to do. So we need to understand there's a tremendous connection between coming into and hungering for and having ongoing experience with God and then outworking it with daily mission. And every one of us needs to understand the two are totally interconnected. God calls us continually to hunger and never be satisfied, to always want more, and yet continually to overflow and give our lives out to touch people around us. Doing good. Every one of us can do good. Then he says, and healing all who are oppressed of the devil. So maybe you don't move in supernatural signs and wonders and miracles yet, but everyone can do good. Saying hello to someone is doing good if they're a stranger and they're lonely. Welcoming someone into a group is doing good. Being kind to someone is doing good. Meeting needs is doing good. Every believer is called to do good. When we're here, we're called not just to worship God, we're called to overflow and do good. So the anointing of the Holy Ghost is to do something in our life. When we talk about the word encounter, it means to meet someone face to face, to meet with them and encounter them as a friend or to encounter them in conflict. When we turn the word mission, it means to be sent on some kind of uh, purpose to represent someone and to be sent on some kind of, uh, with some kind of assignment in life. You're called to meet with God and to be sent forth with an assignment. Every one of us is. And the sooner we can get a hold of that, the better. Every one of us is called to contribute something to the cause of Christ. What a tragedy if you came to the end of your life and you're a believer, you've come to know Jesus Christ, and as you look back on your life, you realize you've never accomplished anything in the life of another person that choked them or drew them or caused them to know Jesus Christ. What a tragedy to get to the end of our life and found that all of our lives we were struggling just with trying to get over problems and issues, and we never turned it into reaching out and impacting the people around us. Tremendous tragedy. I want you to have a look at the example of Israel. Uh, firstly, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. Bible, I like the Bible. It's full of examples. How many know it's full of examples? Full of examples. Full of examples. Something you can learn from. I like learning from someone else's mistakes. My own are always painful. How many found mistake, make mistakes of pain? How many knows it costs you something? Sometimes it costs a lot, a lot of money. You look back and you think, if I had that chance, how many could look back and say, if I had the chance, I'd never do that again? 
Okay, but there's someone out there needs to hear your experience. You need to find out what not to do. Right? So one of the things in the Bible is God wrote down, God inspired people to write down the mistakes of others so we wouldn't make the same mistake. How about that? How about if three million people made a mistake? You think it'd be worthwhile seeing what they made a mistake over? Would be, wouldn't it, eh? I want you to read with Hebrews chapter 4. Here it is here, verse, uh, Hebrews 4, verse 1 and 2. Now, let us, uh, let us fear lest uh, uh, any, a promise being left to us of entering his rest, we should come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached. I want you to notice this. Unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. Them is Israel in the wilderness. But the word that was preached didn't make any benefit to them, didn't profit them, because they weren't joined to it by faith, or they were, it wasn't mixed with faith in them that heard it. Now, I want you to understand this. Israel heard the gospel. Israel heard the gospel. We think, well, how Jesus hadn't come then. What, what do you mean they heard the gospel? Well, essentially the message that God has for us, which is called the gospel, was also given to Israel, a whole nation in the Old Testament. It was given in a slightly different way, but it had the same ingredients in it. And the Bible says that Israel frustrated what God wanted to do because they started off into God's purpose, but they never fully got engaged with what God wanted them to do. We'll see, and we're going to show you what happened, and we'll show you the, how the gospel was preached to them. But they frustrated God's purpose. They came short of what God intended them to get short of. And two to three million people died and never, ever became what God wanted them to become. What a tragedy if you had the opportunity to fulfill a God-given destiny and you never fulfilled it, never even discovered what it was. God has designed you for a mission in life. God has designed each of us to accomplish something that will extend His kingdom, bring Him glory, make Him known. And it's unique to us individually and also to us as a church, the way we go about and what we do. They fail to embrace God's purpose. Notice what it says. It says, to us as the gospel preached, it was preached to them, but their hearts weren't linked by faith to it or let me just explain a moment, when the challenge came and it got tough, they didn't hold what God said, embrace what God said, and commit themselves to walking by faith with God. And I'll show you this in, uh, in the Old Testament, Hebrews chapter 6. I want to show you just a couple of verses here, and you'll see exactly how God spoke to them. In Exodus chapter 6, verses uh, 6 through to 8. What a great thing to be called by God. Man, I'd have hated to live my life the way it was before I came to Christ. So lacking, so empty, so, so boring, really, in many ways. Now, let's read in Exodus chapter 6. Now, this is what God is wanting Moses to speak to Israel. This is the gospel he wanted them to proclaim. So in these three verses here, we will see three different aspects of the gospel. I want you to understand three different aspects of the gospel because every chance you've taken on one aspect or only a part of it. But the Bible talks about the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation. Notice what he says. Say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rid you from their bondage. I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. Now, Israel, this is talking about a salvation experience. Salvation experience. He's telling them, I'm going to save you. 
I want to save you. When he's talking about this, he's talking about an escape from the bondage of the past. An escape from the bondage of the past. So when you looked at Israel, Israel is in a foreign land. They're in Egypt. They've got these taskmasters rule over them. They're in slavery. They're impoverished. They're sick. They live in fear. They live under oppression. They're living in bondage. And this is a very great picture for us of the life of a person without Jesus Christ, living in the world, living in sin, addicted to this, addicted to that, uh, got this emptiness in their life, bound by sin, bound by demons, afflicted by sickness, and no sense of purpose for their life. Just the boredom of life going on and on and on. No kind of sense of future or hope. For a people who are in prison, there's no hope. And so Israel was in bondage, just like you and I were before we came to Jesus Christ. And so the first part of the gospel is it brings us salvation. That word salvation means literally this, to save you, to heal you, to deliver you, to protect you. means all of those things. So when God says, I'll redeem you, it means this. I'll break the power of sin in your life. You don't have to live in sin anymore. You don't have to live addicted to some kind of thing anymore. When God says, I'll save you, he also means, I'll heal your body because sickness doesn't come from me. Sickness is something that's a consequence of sin. When God says he'll save you, it means also he'll deliver you from demons because you don't need to live under the power of demons. Salvation includes all of these things. When God says he'll save you, it means he wants to break the cycle of poverty and living in fear of not enough that you might come into his provision. So salvation means all of those things, all of them, we think, And we limit salvation to someone coming down and praying a prayer. But that's what not Jesus has called us to do. He's called us to connect with him and obtain the promises of salvation. Healing, deliverance, provision, abundance. The beginning to walk with God. When Israel got saved, there was a powerful demonstration of God's power. They were literally delivered completely out of Egypt. All the Egyptians were overthrown and they began the journey with God. But that's not all there is to the gospel. See? Because there were two other aspects that he had. And there's these two other aspects that you'll see how encounter and mission are connected together. Notice now in verse 2. Say, Notice now in verse, sorry, verse 7. He says here, I will take you to myself to be a people, and I will be to you a God, and you shall know that I'm the Lord your God, which brings you out from under the burdens of Egypt. So number one was salvation, an escape from the past. Number two, we notice here, is an encounter experience to enter into intimacy with God. I will bring you to myself. God wanted them to become something. When you get saved, God wants you not to just, well, I'll carry on my life as normal. No, he wants you to actually begin to encounter him on a day-by-day basis. When you look at Israel, we find there are two things. One is, every day they experience the cloud of God's provision. They experience the miraculous cloud, the supernatural presence of God in their midst. Every day God wants you to encounter him. That's called having a devotional time, getting alone with God. It's called building a place of prayer. So after you've got saved, God wants you now to begin to walk with him, and that means becoming intimate with him. How can we represent him if we don't know him? 
How can we bring the heart of God if we've never connected to the heart of God? How can we express God's desire if we never got to know Him? So next thing that God wanted to do was to bring them into intimacy. So He allowed them to go through a little bit of troubles that He might bring them near to Himself. Not just in a day-to-day experience, but also He wanted them to come into an encounter with Him. And so there was a day when the Spirit of God came down upon, for the nation of Israel and they encountered Him and they didn't like what they experienced. They didn't like what they experienced. They saw thunder. They saw lightnings. They saw the earth shake. They felt had all these experiences. And when they looked at that, they said, God's scary. Then they made a decision. We're not going to get near him. Now, Moses, you, you go. You get near him for us. You tell us what God's got to say. And with that, they missed the most important phase of their walk as a Christian. Every believer must personally encounter the Lord. Every believer. God makes it possible for you and I, day by day, to experience Him. Now, if you've got blocks in your life, then part of the salvation message, you can be free of that. You don't have to live with it. Don't accommodate the things God says He's purchased and bought you to be free of. Don't accommodate fear. Don't accommodate depression. Don't accommodate the things God says He wants you to He wants you to bring you and me into a place of experience with Him day by day where we're hearing His Word. When did you last hear God speak? When did you last get in the Bible and pray over the Word of God, asking for God to begin to speak to your heart? When did you last spend time just in His presence, worshiping Him, and begin to start to experience Him talking to you? That's how He wants us to live. Why? Because He wants us to become something. And you can't become something unless you actually draw near to the source of that. So God wants us to become what? He wants to become people who know how to come into His presence and out of His presence and know how to bring His presence into the earth. So Jesus taught it this way. He said, He taught the disciples, Father which art in heaven. In other words, Father, there's an intimacy with Father. Now thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So He says, out of intimacy with the Father, there needs to be bringing into the earth the things that are needed. If people around you are lost, they need to be saved. You're called to come near to God that you might bring salvation to them. If people around you are sick, you're called to come near to God that you and I can release healing to them, deliverance to them, encouragement to them, faith into their life. We're called to come into the presence of God so we have something to give. I was talking to one person this week and they'd struggled with an area for quite some time and they encountered God and I listened to them talk afterwards and now they're talking with authority because they've got an experience with God. I know this is real. And they offer hope to every person who's had that same, every person who's caught in the same bondage now that someone's given them a hope. Hey, I was there. I know what that's like. Well, I understand that. But listen, I can tell you something good. I can tell you that I have encountered God in that area and I'm different. I've come to know Him and experience Him. I've got something to share with you that counts. Okay? So we see that's where encounter comes. So we're saved. Now we're called to encounter the Lord in an ongoing way, to draw near to Him, to learn how to encounter, learn how to deal with blocks in our soul. Not to say to some, oh, well, I'm too busy to pray. I don't know how to pray. I'm not much good at prayer. I'm like, listen, you're in a church that, that excels in this area. Learn and grow in it. 
Learn and grow in it. Take every opportunity you can to learn and grow. I had someone come up to me this morning and uh, they, we had an exercise a little while ago and, and uh, it was just a very simple thing of, of just praying for one another and listening to what God had to say. And, and, uh, and uh, this was Sue who was talking to me before the service. And she saw this young person come up to me for me and, and she said she didn't know what to do. She said, I just told her because I just learned. And then she just got such a shock when she suddenly heard God speak to her. Ho, 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 got something. It was like almost like a shock or a revelation to her that God would give her something. And what she gave was something from the heart of God for Sue. It's just so simple as that. See, that's everyone's privilege is to experience and encounter God. Now, I want you to see the third part of this. The third part of this is the bit where they really father. After they didn't encounter God and didn't go on to be intimate with God, then you notice the next thing that happens. It says, notice here the third part. He said, I will take you for me to be a people. Verse 8, I will bring you into the land concerning which I promised to give it to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'll give it to you for an inheritance. Here's the third, mission. First we're saved. Then we become intimate with God or encounter God. We begin to walk with Him. Then He calls us to mission or literally to engage in His mission. I will bring it into the land. Now you notice that God had an assignment for them. Years ago, God had made promises to the patriarchs that this nation here, this land called Canaan, would become God's land. Uh, years ago, God made a covenant that he can't change, that that land will become the land of the people of Israel. Now he's got a people, he says, I want you to believe this is the day. You've heard the promises. This is the hour. Rise up and go in and take dominion over the land. Unfortunately, with the people is that they, the word, the command they got was go. Go in and subdue it. Go in there. Yeah, but there's giants. Oh, but there's walled cities. But there's problems. But there's difficulties. Yes, I know all of that, but it's your land. Go in and begin to subdue it and take dominion. Notice this. I want you to see this. That the mission he gave them was very specific. Secondly, it was corporate. It involved all of them working together. It couldn't be done by one person alone. And three, that the results or the blessings were individual as well as corporate. In other words, when they came together and began to focus on the mission of conquering the land, the consequence was what they conquered, they actually had a part in it, became their inheritance as well. So everyone joined together to work together, but individually everyone received as well. In fact, God was so, God was so set that they should have this inheritance, he said, listen, every 50 years if you've lost it, I've set this rule in place, it comes back to you. I never want you to lose what I've intended you to have. And so they were called to embrace an assignment in the earth as a nation. Exactly the same way we are called to embrace an assignment in the earth as a people. Now, it's not Israel, it's the church. And Jesus gave the church a mandate. Go! Make disciples of all nations! teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you. We are called to go. There's not one exception. Every believer is called to go, to go, to initiate, to connect with people, to find ways into the hearts of people, to influence the community, to touch the lives of people we don't know. You say, well, it's too hard. There's giants. And I tried that, and it was difficult, and they rejected me. Yes, they rejected you. That's part of the deal. That's why Jesus said in Acts 1 and verse 8, He said, you shall receive power. Ah, there's encounter. The Holy Ghost coming upon you, 
And as a result of that encounter, you shall become something to me. You'll become a witness, someone with a testimony and experience who gives their life for a purpose. What a tremendous call is upon us as the people of God, that we might live our life for some significant purpose. There are people around you that need to know that there's a God who loves them. And you say, oh, well, you know, it's hard. I've tried and they rejected me and it hurt. Yes, that's why the Holy Ghost is given, that you might have power to lay your life down and keep going and going again. When we think of that word witness, we think of having to talk. But there's many ways we witness to people. Kindness is a witness. Caring is a witness. Serving is a witness. The atmosphere of friendship is a witness. Your words you speak are a witness. There's many ways that we can make known to others there's a real God. But everyone is called to do it. No exceptions. Jesus gave this command. Go. Go. It wasn't just given to the apostles. It was given to us individually. Every person here is called to do what we can corporately to reach our community and individually to reach those around us, to befriend them. You say, well, it's hard. Yes, it is. Do you get rejected? Yes, you do. Does it hurt to get rejected? Oh, yes, it does. That's why Jesus said, I will give you my spirit. I'll pour my spirit upon you that you might be a martyr. Um, now we think, well, martyr, someone got killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, maybe it's one thing to go to another nation and die for Christ. It's another place to live for him. We have to live for him here. And when you start to live for Christ, you start to live different. You start to stand up. You start to actually talk to people and start to re- Yeah, you'll experience rejections, but you'll experience success as well. Jesus made it very clear that greater is he in you than he that's in the world. So we pray. We persevere. We do things together. We do things individually. Everyone can do something. Everyone can do something. You can't not do something. We're going to actually be uniting with Jesus to gather a harvest or we'll be scattering because we don't represent him well. This is why one of the things, and I'll start to talk about this more and more, is to be friendly to people. To be friendly to the stranger, to be friendly to a new person. That's one of the characteristics of the kingdom of heaven. How can you be a witness to anyone if you're not friendly? Smile and make them welcome. Say, hi, how are you doing? Who are you? Can I introduce you to someone? Can I take you for a cup of coffee? Listen, those are such simple things. But all of that is a witness. Long before anyone ever hears, they never remember my messages. But they do remember that you took them for coffee. Who was that nice person that took me to coffee? They remember that. Well, those people, I got three invitations home to lunch. People remember that. Or I, someone, they were so friendly, they, they introduced me to some people, and I found some friends, and we've become really good friends. Well, they remember that. You see, most of them, we, we, often, we often think it's got to be the great things. I've got to actually speak and witness and tell someone, you know, the gospel message. Well, I'll share with you the gospel message, show you how I can do that in these weeks ahead. I mean, that's not so hard. But the biggest thing is to actually make a decision that I am called not only to encounter the Lord, but to outwork a mission. And I have an assignment. I have people only I can go to. There's people only I can reach. And that is my assignment in life. That's my assignment. There's giants only I can take down because they're my giants. Come on, think about it. There's challenges, great challenges, which are my challenges. Can you understand that? Now, that's like that for everyone. Everyone here has got that. 
There's no exceptions. And every one of us, God calls us to draw on our relationship with him so we never give up. We say, I am going to win friends to Christ. Now, no matter whether I personally can share the gospel and get them saved, I'll get them into an environment where God touches their life. I'll get them into heaven's gates, hell's flames next year. I'll get them into a barbecue next week. I'll get them to the family day. I'm going to find a way. By hook or by crook, I'll find a way. I'll keep ringing. I'll keep... Yeah, how many know that you, when someone reached out to you, you said no probably the first time? Then Richard said no the first time and the second and the third. He was quite hard for a while there. And now look at him now, you see. He's never done so well. Aren't you glad someone persisted in sharing the gospel with you? Are you glad that they didn't say you were a giant too big? They just said, yeah, we'll get that. We can win him to Christ. Remember, it's it's coming with a genuine love, a genuine desire. Jesus was the friend of sinners. Are you the friend of anyone? We need to look at how we reach out and connect. So when God brings us into salvation experience, he wants us to then unite with him and begin to encounter him individually day by day. And from that embrace, I have an assignment. I have a mission. And I need to embrace my mission and purpose that at the end of my course, I'll have done what God called me to do. Some of you who are in business then that business field is your mission field. Some of you who are in the community, various areas and schools, whatever, that's your area, that's your mission field. And then together, the whole of the bay and beyond is our mission field. And you can see already, because we said yes, thousands were touched. You don't know who you'll reach, and they'll become a world changer. No one knew when they shared the gospel with me that years later, I would be impacting thousands of people. I was just a little Catholic boy resistant to the gospel. And God came through into my life. He could do it for someone you know too. Father, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord, that not only do you bring us to experience you, but you call us to obey your command, to act as a representative of you, to represent your life, your love, your friendship, your acceptance, your holiness, your joy to a community that desperately lacks these things and desperately needs them. Father, let that same spirit rest upon us, a pioneering spirit to break out into new places and to touch the lives of people with the kindness, the love, the friendship, the concern of the living God. Lord, we want to be such a people. Lord, I thank you for what Bay City has already done. I thank you for so many people we've impacted and continue to impact. But, Lord, now we, we're not satisfied. We want the boundaries overseas to increase. And, Lord, we want the boundaries locally to expand. We want, Lord, to be known in the community. So people that are different. People that carry the life and the presence and power of God. Father, we pray you'd give us grace. You'd give us favor. We pray, Lord... The life of God would abound in us. We pray a boldness would abound in us. We pray when voices rise up against, we would, Lord, just love them and heal them and move on and never be dissuaded from embracing our individual and corporate call to this area. Father, I thank you that in the days ahead, there are people who are in our community right now, empty, desperate, that they will come to know Jesus Christ because someone sitting here made it their assignment to reach them. Lord, give us a compassion 
for those that don't know you. A compassion that will move us to go near to people and help them. Give us a compassion to persevere when people get cranky and resistant. Give us a passion that will see what the person could be and not quit until they become it. Lord, I just pray that there would come upon the church a fire for souls that we have never seen before, a fire for our community that we have never seen before. I pray an empowering of the Holy Ghost to reach into this community and begin to shake it, stir it, and have some impact. Lord, I just thank you for every person here that has committed themselves to that cause. I ask, Lord, that everyone would experience a challenge in the coming days, an opportunity in the coming days, and that, Lord, the power and presence of the Holy Ghost would give us breakthrough after breakthrough.